Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore. Excuse me one second. I have something on my neck and I didn't want to interfere uh, with you guys hearing. But welcome, welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. I'm so excited that you chose to be with us this evening and take part in the divine makeover of marriage. You know, I am, I am beside myself when I think of the just the revelation that God is downloading uh, to reform and restore marriage to the body of Christ. You know, we believe on this line that kingdom marriage is the answer to what ails husbands and wives. And, and, and also just the things that undermine the, their purpose and their power to carry out God's individual assignments for their marriages. You know, there's, there's man-made everything. Everything God makes, there is a man-made version. And we tend to accept that in many other, in most other areas except for marriage. Well, I'm telling you, there is a man-made version of marriage that many of us who are Christians have bought into from the pulpit to the pew. And so I'm excited that God has really just opened this thing up and is blessing his people with revelation. And on social media, I had put out there that, it, that, uh, that there was a gift that those that are married can give their spouse. And at the end of the call, I'm going to share what that gift is. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different tonight because I want to get the calls back to 30 or 40 minutes. Um, I have had good feedback that the calls are meaty. It's a lot. And, uh, you know, when you hear something for the first time, you need a few minutes to digest it. And so what I'm going to do is, like I said, bring the calls back to 30 or 40 minutes uh, and then um, – and then we'll see where we get. And so what, what I'll do is I'll start from the end. I'll give you my takeaway points. There are five tonight. And then I will go back and talk about each point. And then about 9.20 uh, or so we'll pray and then give all of the uh, housekeeping and all of that stuff, talk about the gift and things like that. And then after the call tonight, after we finish a recording, those of you that can stay on, we will be praying as on Saturday we will be with Chris and Brenda in Alabama and Veronica, and we will be declaring anybody else that wants to join us, we'll be taking a few folks from here, but anyone else that wants to join us, we are going to meet and take back uh, that state in the area of marriage for the kingdom of God. We'll start out on the capital steps, and then we will go short, short distance and break some breads. And so if uh, we'll give you some information. Amy has some details for us at the end of the call. So let's do this. Let's pray. I'll give you the, the five takeaways. Start with takeaway number one. And we'll see how far we get. And if I don't finish, then we'll pick up next, next week. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. And we welcome you here tonight because you said where two or three are gathered in your name, you are present with them. And so we gather in your name tonight. We gather to seek your kingdom and your righteousness that belongs to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for choosing us to be a part of the divine makeover, the divine reset of marriage. We thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what you're saying to us in the area of marriage. Father, we thank you, and we say that the kingdom of God come to our marriages and establish your authority 
as husbands and wives, God, to fill their purpose in this earth, Lord. Fill us with your love for truth. Fill us with the love for truth. And strengthen us on the inside that we can hear truth even when it offends our pride. Lord, redeem us, reform us, and restore our souls through marriage and reconcile us again to each other. Now, Father, take your word and cause it to be a battering ram to everything man-made, everything religious, Lord, that stands in the way of your people, Lord, entering the kingdom and taking what is rightfully theirs in Jesus' name, we pray. So I'm going to jump to the end, give you the five quick takeaways, and then I'm going to come back and expound on them. Uh, Let's see. Okay, here we go. Takeaway number one. As you know, we've been talking about religious, we've been talking about religious marriage versus kingdom marriage. And so first takeaway tonight is religious marriage assigns needs, uh, assigns needs a gender. So religious marriage focuses on gender needs. Kingdom marriage addresses needs common to all citizens of the kingdom. Number two, religious marriage appoints husbands and wives to meet each other's needs. That is, husbands and wives have a responsibility to meet wives' needs, and wives have a responsibility to meet their husbands' needs, and this is delegated in religious marriage. Uh, Kingdom marriage encourages husbands and wives to take personal responsibility for their needs and their desires. Number three, in religious marriage, meeting needs is transaction-based. In the kingdom, meeting needs is relationship-based. Number four, religious marriage focuses on felt needs. Kingdom marriages focuses on the real need. And number five, religious marriage is need-centered. Kingdom marriage is answer-centered. And so we're going to go back and we're going to unpack these and see how far we get tonight. Again, I appreciate so much you taking the time to be with us and hearing and considering what the Lord is saying to the church in this hour in the area of marriage. Well, last, as I said, we've been talking about the differences between religious marriage and kingdom marriage. And just as a quick recap, we first talked about the models of those two marriages are different. We said in religious marriage, the model is a hierarchy. In kingdom marriage, the model is a relationship. In a religious marriage, the system is made up of rules and laws and, and have-tos and, and shoulds. Uh, the kingdom of marriage is based on a system of love and honors the choice and choices that each one makes. And tonight I want to talk to you about uh, another difference, or the third difference has to do with how uh, each of these, um, how religious marriage and kingdom marriage deal with the issue of needs. So in a religious marriage, it's about his and her needs, and in the kingdom, it's about common needs. So last week we talked about the false hope that your spouse will meet your needs. 
is false because, number one, your spouse cannot meet all of your needs all of the time in the proportion that you would like them met at the time you would like them met, how exactly you would like them met, and do that 100% with 100% accuracy and 100% precision. They're going to get it wrong no matter how wonderful they are. They're human, and they're going to get it wrong. And so there's a false hope that your spouse will meet your needs. But to make this work, religious marriage has to assign your need a gender. So in order to get buy-in for a husband to meet his wife's needs and a wife to meet her husband's needs, there has to be some way to tie them to that responsibility. And the way they do it and the way religious marriage does it is to assign your need a gender. And so we put needs in gender categories. There's a wildly popular Christian book called Love and Respect. Some of you have probably read it. Maybe you even touted it, or maybe you had questions or concerns with it. It came out in 2004, the author is Emerson Egerich. This book uh, has been taught in pulpits across America. Uh, It has been the subject of marriage retreats. It's huge. And what it does, it argues that men and husbands need It's for respect, their primary need. They have other needs, but their primary need is for respect, and a wife's need, primary need or desire is for love. Uh, He cites a few scriptures. He he cites the typical scriptures that I've given you before, Ephesians 5.23 and 2.25, Colossians 3.18, 1 Peter 3.1, and 7. I've shared those scriptures before. I would encourage you to look them up again. But... uh, Emerson's not the only one that, that really capitalizes and categorizes these needs. William Harley wrote a book in 1986 that was revised in 1994 and again in 2001, and he also assigns needs as male or female. So in his book, he doesn't use the word for respect, that men need respect. He uses the word admiration. Men need to be admired. And for women, he doesn't use the word love. He uses the word affection. But again, the needs are assigned based on a gender. And, you know, these are just two needs that are categorized. There are others. But for sake of this conversation and time, I'm just going to use those two needs. Here's the question that you have to ask. Where in the life and ministry of Jesus did he ever preach or teach about personally needing respect to be the man or husband God intended him to be to the church. Because if it is if, if it's that significant, then we ought to see it play out somewhere in Jesus' life. And I can't find where he pro- preached, taught it, asked for it, or demanded it. Respect. You know, Peter attempted to defend Jesus' honor by cutting off the ear of the Roman soldier that came to arrest Jesus. That's in Matthew 26, 52, and 53, and John 18, 10, and 11. But Jesus answered. Jesus replied, Peter, he said, Peter, put away your sword. And basically saying it was unnecessary because Jesus understood that it was his time and this is what was going to happen and that uh, it wasn't, and, and, and the, the, what he was experiencing from the soldiers was part of the plan, part of the process. It was part of the process that Jesus would be disrespected and humiliated and dishonored. And so even when Peter attempted to defend his honor, Jesus said, no, put away your sword. 
So that's not even asking for it. That's refusing that level of honor or that level of respect, which is not to say that wives should not, you know, that wives, uh, you know, are in a place to honor their husbands. Um, But honor is a kingdom principle, and it works both ways. It's not a male need. It is a kingdom citizen need. Every kingdom citizen needs to have a sense of respect, dignity uh, for who they are and who God made them. Um, it's, it amazes me how, how much we place so much emphasis on honor and respect in marriage and in ministry when Jesus talked about it hardly ever and rebuked his disciples for wanting to give it to him. And so this is one of the ways that not only is a need assigned, but it's reinforced even through the scripture. Religious marriage assigns men the need for respect. They tell you, husbands, that you need respect. They tell you, wives, that you need love. In the kingdom of God, citizens have common needs because there is no male or female. So everyone in the kingdom is deserving of respect. Everyone in the kingdom is deserving and has a need for love and respect. Jesus speaks in John seventeen twenty one. I pray that they would all be one, just as you and I. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be one in us, that the world might believe that you sent me. And, of course, you know Galatians 3.28. He said, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So in the kingdom, in Christ's kingdom, he is the king of his kingdom, and in his kingdom there are no male or female. All are deserving of honor. You know, some other of the common needs of, of kingdom citizens include food, clothing, uh, um, food, clothing, shelter, love, authority, power, significance. We all need those things just as we need respect and honor. You know, as kingdom citizens, you know, not only we receive honor from Christ, Christ honors us. But he, he honors us because he chooses us. But we also have a responsibility to give honor as a kingdom citizen and not simply as a husband and wife. If we're giving honor or love simply as a husband or a wife or simply as a human being, please understand we're not meeting the kingdom mandate. Because as a kingdom citizen, to give honor and respect and love because That's the citizenship and the responsibility of the kingdom. We don't demand it, we give it. We don't demand it, we receive it when it's offered. And uh, I did distinguish between respect and reverence before. I'm not going to do that here. Um, Tonight I use the words interchangeably, um, but, uh, but there is a difference you know, between respect and reverence. And, and, and so we want to be able to, honor who people are, because sometimes we have to disrespect their behavior. You know, in the kingdom, all, all the resources that are required to meet the needs of its citizens belong to the king. They don't belong to the husband or wife. Uh, there's no lack in the kingdom. The kingdom of God possesses abundance more than you, 
husband or you wife will ever need. It has more than your need. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And then we all know this, this uh, verse, First Chronicles 29.11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So not only when we receive Jesus Christ were we born into a kingdom, the new birth is about being born into a kingdom, we also have received a king. Then Jesus tells us how to get our needs met in Matthew 6.33. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else. You're citizens of the kingdom. You've been born into the kingdom. Whether you're a husband or wife, you've been born in the kingdom, and your marital status does not um, your marital status does not override your kingdom status. He said again, your marital status does not override who you are in the kingdom. We were born in a kingdom, and we happen to be uh, married on the earth. And so it says, seek ye the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. It's really quite simple. Seek the kingdom of God, live in adherence with the king, and the king will give us everything we need. Hebrews six eighteen says, so it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have to run, and now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness, this is where we find strength and comfort, for he empowers us to see what has already been established ahead of time and unshakable hope. So as we enter into this kingdom mentality and this mindset in marriage, as a husband or a wife, I have everything I need, and my, and my God, my king, is able to use my spouse if they're available, but he is not limited to my spouse if they are unavailable, with the exception of sexual fulfillment. So here's the question. As a husband or wife, would you rather contend with the false hope that your spouse might maybe possibly meet your need in the way you want, how you want it, or would you rather have the unshakable hope and contend for the unshakable hope that God will meet your needs and that he is faithful to do so? He cannot lie. So if are not met, then we make God a liar, and he cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. So when we adjust our focus and become kingdom-minded, it's not a matter of what my spouse or what my wife or my husband can do for me. It is what has God given me that I might be able to bless my spouse. Very different perspective. But again, religious marriage is man-made, and then there's the kingdom marriage, which is God-made. And one of the reasons couples have so much trouble in marriage today is because they are living in, in a religious marriage rather than in the kingdom. Number two, after assigning needs a gender, religious marriage appoints the responsibility to, each, to meet, each meet the other's needs. And then scriptures are used to bolt and screw that expectation in place. 
In the kingdom, citizens accept personal responsibility for their needs and desires. I talked a little bit about this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Let me just give you a couple scriptures. John 10, 18, nobody takes my life, but I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I receive this commandment from my Father. Paul agrees in Romans 14, 12. Therefore, each one must answer for himself and give a personal account of his own life before God. And then uh, Peter, 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11. So, friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this, and you'll have your life on a firm footing, the streets paved, and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our master, Jesus Christ. And so as we accept the invitation, as we properly align ourselves with Jesus, um, by taking responsibility for ourselves, and allow, uh, we allow others to do the same. Listen, irresponsibility is a sin, and it undermines our ability to take part in the rights, the privileges, and benefits that belong to kingdom citizens. So does it mean that your spouse will never do anything for you? Absolutely not. Does it mean that your spouse will not, that God will not use your spouse to meet your needs? Yeah, hopefully a lot. He, but he may not do it all the time, and it may not be in the way that you want it to be or in the area that you want it to be. But religious marriage promise you, promises you that's what should happen. And when it doesn't, we have great retreats and all these things that remind husbands of their responsibility and they remind wives of their responsibility. How is that working for us? It's not. Proverbs 28, 13, it says, if you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you will be kissed by mercy. In kingdom marriage, husbands and wives, becoming the individual God intends facilitates God meeting the needs and desires of his or her spouse. Here's how it works. I, I, I like examples because I, I think they really help explain. In marriage, God places pressure on a man or a, and a woman to become who he intends. He blesses them and he breaks them. He applies pressure because God is making and developing and training kingdom citizens. And in order to do that, we have to experience adversity and pressure to build the muscles and skills that are becoming of a kingdom citizen. And so this is different than what, what, what religion does. Religion saddles husbands and wives with duties. I, I read one list was like 25 things that made for godly husband. I'm like, that is unbelievable. I can't believe, I, I wouldn't want to wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, nobody can measure up to 25 things. It's like when they put the Proverbs 31 word out for wives and become a Proverbs 31 wife. Well, what is that, and who is Jesus talking to, and what aspect? Is he talking to the bride? You know, and, and, and so we, we just have these things that we're just applying and overlaying and creating pressure upon husbands and wives to be something that perhaps he didn't intend for them to be. I mean, I wish I had time to really just, you know, talk about that further. Let me just say it this way. Jesus' allegiance was to his father. It wasn't to people. We benefit from Jesus' loyalty to the father. 
But his loyalty was not to us. It was to his father. We couldn't deter, we couldn't interrupt, disrupt Jesus from carrying out the arrangement that he made with his father. Peter tried. In Matthew 16, 22, remember Jesus was telling them that he had to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and die? And the Bible says that Peter took him aside to correct him privately. Check us out. It's like us. We're going to correct God. Jesus, uh, Peter tried to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over. So it wasn't just one time. He kept talking to Jesus, saying, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. And Jesus' response, get out of my way, you, Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus was not loyal to his disciples. He was loyal to his We are the beneficiaries. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. In the garden, he says, it's not my will, but your will be done. His devotion was to the Father. And when husbands and wives, devotion is to God first. Their their husbands or their spouses are in the best place, the best opportunity to get their needs met. Upon conclusion of the first miracle, John 2, 24 and 25, Jesus said this, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of doing. Listen, no matter how wonderful and trustworthy and godly your spouse is, they are human. They are fallible. They will not be able to meet your needs completely all the time in every circumstance and in the ways that you want them to do. We serve others best. We serve our spouse best. You will serve your spouse best when you serve God first. We have more and can do more when our allegiance is to God, when our sustenance comes from God rather than our husband and wife. And if he chooses to use our husband or wife, we should be grateful. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you for causing this this to take place even through my spouse. But even if it doesn't, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Number three, this is the last one I'll do. Number three, in religion, in religious marriage, meeting needs is a transaction, transaction based. In the book Love and Respect, on page 103, the author writes concerning his wife. Here's what he said. My wife, Sarah, has accepted that her disrespect is equal to my lack of love. Let me me say it again. My wife has accepted that her disrespect is equal to my lack of love. So, In other words, if you respect me, I will love you. Well, she could be saying, if you love me, I will respect you. Where does that go? How is that working for you? How how are you sustaining that? We can't even keep that level of promise. So how is that working? That is a transaction. It's saying, if you do this, I'll do this. 
It, it, it doesn't work. It is not a kingdom mentality. That is a religious mentality based on the based on an expectation that a human being can satisfy your need all the time and in every situation. And so my guess is the more loving she is, the more respectful he'll be, and vice versa. Well, it's possible. I just don't think it's, it's, it's uh, probable on an ongoing basis. And if it were, then my question is, where are those happier, more mutually fulfilled husbands and wives? Show them to me. Please introduce them to me. I'm waiting. I'd love to interview them. It seems like a simple enough transaction. If you do this, then I'll do that. The problem is twofold. All of the resources for meeting that need are in him and her. And they have a limited supply of whatever they have because they're not receiving it from him. They are expecting it from each other. All of us can be unreliable. If you've been married any length of time, you have broken a promise, you have went back on your word, you've done something, said something that, that, that you know is unbecoming of a kingdom citizen or of a godly person. It's just, and if you haven't, it's just a matter of time. God just gives some the grace to ask for forgiveness and, and some just keep on like, man, like they just hit somebody and they just kept driving. As stated in the kingdom, all resources available to the husbands and wives are retained and owned by the king, who is timeless, unlimited, reliable, wise. He never goes to sleep, and he always feels like it, and he's always showing up, intervening on our behalf. Here's a picture for you. Religious marriage, when it comes to meeting needs, is like a pond that goes nowhere. Now, water that just sits becomes stagnant. So you can appreciate the stagnancy in some marriages today. They're just stagnant. It's like a pond. There's no moving water in it. They have what they have. He has enough love to maybe go for, what, two days? She's got enough respect in her to go, what, maybe for a day and a half? Then what happens after that? Kingdom marriage is like a river that leads to an ocean. There is always more. So my question to you is, would you rather live in a pond or a river that goes into the ocean? Philippians 4.19, I'm convinced that my God will satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of his glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. In the kingdom, marriage, in kingdom marriage, meeting needs is relationship-based. John 16.33 says this, for here is eternal truth. When, the, when that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire. He will give it to you because of your relationship with me. John 15 is all about abiding in Christ. Verse 7 reads, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done to you. What is the contingency? You have to be in a relationship. You have to, and a relationship goes back and forth. You've got to be on talking terms with God. You've got to be, you know, you have to, to develop an intimacy, a conversation, a dialogue with God. You have to learn to speak to God from your heart, not your head. Kingdom citizens who happen to be husbands and wives get their needs met through their relationship with Christ. And as I've said before, if it pleases God to use your husband or your wife to meet your needs, glory. I want that to happen as often as possible, and I know you do too. But he has other options, except in the area of sexual fulfillment. In Lamentation, it talks about how the Israelites, chapters 1 through 4, talked about uh, Israel's separation from God. I mean, it, it's a horrible read if you have the time to read it. But in chapter 5, it says that they were reduced to paying for what God desired to provide through relationship. Oh, my God. Just think about that. They were paying for what God wanted to give them freely through relationship. I wonder how many of you husbands and wives are paying for things or paying for your needs in your, in your marriage because your relationship with God isn't strong enough to procure those needs for yourself. It's just interesting. And I'd love to do this next one. Oh, man, this is, this is a good one, but I can't because it's 933, and I promised that I would stop. Oh, my God, this is a real good one, though. Oh, my gosh, it even has examples. And I'm about to get a text from Amy to say, you might want to just chill right here. And she just said it. <laughs> she just sent me a text next time. You know, when you have somebody on the other end monitoring you. <laughs> oh, God. Leave that there. The three that I did talk about today were the takeaways. The first takeaway was, uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. The first takeaway that I talked about today was religious marriage assigns needs a gender. A gender. That sounds like a really conflicted statement. Let me make it clearer. Religious marriage is based on gender needs. They categorize needs according to gender. Kingdom marriage addresses needs that are common to all citizens of the kingdom. Two, religious marriage appoints husbands and wives and assigns them the responsibility to meet each other's needs. Kingdom marriage encourages husbands and wives to take personal responsibility for their needs and desires. Three, in religious marriage, meeting needs is transaction-based. If you do this, I'll do that. In kingdom marriage, meeting needs is relationship-based. God never intended for you to buy what you need. And specifically, I mean, I know we go to the grocery store and we buy food and all that. That's not what I, that's, that's, that's really a, a oversimplified example. I'm speaking more specifically of our emotional needs and, our, and, and, and some of the uh, intimacy and sex and things like that. He's never intended for us to have to buy those things that pertain to life and godliness. And so I guess we'll pick up next week on the other two. Man, you know, it's like when you get gone with something, it's like, you know, God, I really don't want to stop right here, but I have to. 
Let me tell you about this gift real quick. <laughs> Let me tell you about the gift. Uh, the gift that you can give your husband or wife, and it may, may more, make more sense next week, but I'll say it now and, and perhaps repeat it if we need to. But the gift that you can give your husband or wife is this. Set them free from having to meet one of your needs or desires. You can pray and ask God, Lord, what need would you like me to look to you to answer? Remember, it's about building a relationship with God. Because when you serve God first, you will serve your spouse best. Because in the kingdom, needs are met through relationship. Everything you have has come through a relationship, whether it's, whether it's legitimate or not. There is nothing you can name that you have that did not come through a relationship. And so in religious marriage, the needs and the fund, the funding of those needs is between husband and wife. In kingdom, the funding of those needs is in your relationship with Christ. So, again, um, the promise is that if we live in reunion with him, then we can ask what we need, we desire, and it will be done for us. But before you release your spouse, before you set your, I mean, can you imagine, just think about, who doesn't want more freedom? Who doesn't want more freedom? And so can you think about setting your spouse free? Just think if you were set free in a particular area. Oh, my God, the burden lifts. But before you do that, remember, it means that although the circumstance of your need, how you got there, how it became a problem, it may not be your fault, but it is your problem because it's your need. And then two, it means that you can no longer blame your spouse for this need not being met. And three, it means that you now accept responsibility for this need. And four, it means that you may experience, you may experience and have to work through the pain of being let down by your spouse and dealing with the unmet expectations that religion has sown into you. And then five, it means you may have to do things that are uncomfortable and inconvenient to align yourself with God's answer for your need. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father God, for meeting us here tonight. I thank you that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. I thank you that kingdom marriage, Lord, cause it to be a battering ram, Lord, to religious marriage and everything that opposes your divine will and divine reset for marriage, God. I thank you, Father. We pull down every stronghold in the name of Jesus Christ, and we render it ineffective in the minds of your people, God. We thank you that your truth, God, the truth that they realize will set them free, God. I thank you that you have called us to freedom. According to Galatians 5.1, you said that Jesus has come to set us free for freedom's sake, that he saved us in order to deliver us. So deliver your people, God, from man-made religious marriage in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank and we praise you that we have kingdom needs, that, Lord, that all citizens of the kingdom have a need for love and respect, God. Lord, we thank you that we have common needs in the kingdom. We repent, God, for trying to divide our needs according to gender, God. Lord, I know in Jesus' name that there are some unique things about husbands and wives that make us different. But, Father God, overall, in the grand scheme of things, God, we all need love. We all need respect and honor, God. 
Lord, I thank and we praise you that we receive that from you tonight, Father God. And we give honor, we give love to our spouses out of the abundant supply that we have received from you, God. We thank you that as you love us, you have commanded us to love others, beginning with our spouse. Lord, we thank and we praise you and we release husbands and wives from the responsibility, the duty, the obligation, God. Lord, just the burden, God, and the pressure, God, of having to meet each other's needs to to fit some religious script, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your kingdom is based on love and choice, God. I pray that you would fill husbands and wives with love, God, and motivate them and give them the desire, God, to choose you. You said that you would be in us, giving us the desire to do what pleases you. So fund husbands and wives, God, right now in Jesus' name, so that they might spill over and meet the need of their spouse according to kingdom principles, God. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. We rebuke and we strike down transactional-based needs, God. Lord, we just, Lord, just, we don't even get into it. It's manipulation and control, and we strike it down in Jesus' name. We give freely to our spouse, God, of our own free will, God, as a sovereign act of our will, God. We thank and we praise you, God. This we have learned of you, and we bless you for it. Now, Father God, open the eyes of your people continuously, God. Lord, until we see the kingdom, till we're walking in the kingdom, till we're appropriating all the rights, blessings, responsibilities, privileges, and benefits of being a kingdom citizen. Do this, God, that marriage again would glorify you in this nation, God. Reform it and restore it to the church, God. Set your people free that we might do exploits for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's see. What else do we have? A couple other things. Um, hold on. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't forget, Saturday we're going to be in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, and next Saturday on the 1st, we will be in Delaware. Um, but this Saturday we'll be in Montgomery and um the information is on my website at more, M-O-O-R-E, on relationships.com slash joy. And the information is also on the front page. We will be meeting on the steps of the Capitol. We will praying and walking a short distance to break some bread and talk about the kingdom. Would love to have you take part with us if you're in or around that area. If you're, un- if you're not in that area or unable to take part with us, Uh, We could always use your prayers. Please keep us in prayer. This is a gigantic assignment. This is a gigantic assignment. Uh, Amy's reminding me that in Montgomery, we will be there at 12 noon Central Standard Time. 12 noon Central Standard Time. So you'll need to adjust if you're coming like us from the east. Um, Yep. So please, we, we, we need your prayers. So if you can't be there, Perhaps set your alarm and and just pray a prayer for us around 12 noon as we take back marriage in every single state that we put our feet in. And then if you want to financially help uh, spread this word, you can invest by going to moreonrelationships.com slash joy, or you can send checks to faceitllc at P.O. Box. 7511 Gainesville, Georgia, 
30504 check should be made out to face it. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of you guys also. You can find all of that info on the website too. You can find where to mail checks to the website. Um, and thank you so much in advance. And to all of you who are giving us shouts out on social media, we need it. We appreciate it. Love it, love it, love it. Keep doing it. God is moving, and I am just happy to be a small part of it along with you. But God, God, be glorified in all that we're doing. Well, the replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. The reference code is 83-POUND. And as you know, um, Amy's husband set us up on Spotify, the Spotify app, and you can find us at Marriage Reform with Kim Moore. This will be uploaded there later this evening. Well, again, we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we will continue to work on the time there. I pray you got something out of it. Please share it. Go. But more importantly than share it, meditate on it and let it change your life. In Jesus' name. We're going to stay on uh, the call. Those of you who are going to be praying with us, I'm going to stop the recording, and then, uh, Amy, you will um, share.